Hey, everybody. It's Mike Carlson from Podcast the Ride. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Scott Gairdner. Hello. And Jason Sheridan. Hey. And we've got a little announcement. We sure do. Yep. We're launching our new podcast on an app called Spoke to give Spoke. you three exclusive episodes. Can you believe it? Three. I can't. Yeah. Don't don't believe it, but it's true. Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. Well, how does that work, though? Well, I'm going to explain. The Spoke team handpicks the best moments from tons of podcasts and creates playlists of clips so you can try a bunch of shows out and find something new to love. So they're all grouped by topics or themes is what you're saying. That is exactly what I'm saying. Thank you for figuring that out. Thank mm-hmm. you. I mean, you could try like a playlist that's uh, like about music being decoded when it's playlists with clips about unpacking and analyzing and figuring out how people make songs and what. why are they so cool, you know? They also have one uh, called Spoke's Perpetually Single Playlist, dedicated to podcasts about relationships, or lack thereof, in my case. Sure, Jason, don't put yourself down. I want to, I want to, all right. (laughs) (laughs) There's all sorts of things is what we're trying to say, and Spoke has, like, fun exclusive content from Feral, like our podcast. Uh, So you definitely don't want to miss these special episodes. Download Spoke now, free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of Podcast the Ride's exclusive Spoke episodes at hearspoke.com slash podcast the ride. That's the address. Uh, Check it out. Spoke. It's time to spoke. Yeah, we're spoken. Guys, I want to tell you about a great sponsor I have, Bompus. They're premium high-performance athletic socks, and they're so comfortable, you're never going to want to take them off. And because socks are the number one requested item in homeless shelters, for every pair of socks purchased, Bompus donates one pair of those to those in need. Almost one million pairs donated to date. 15% off the first purchase of four or more socks, plus free shipping. So go to getbompus.com slash feral and buy some comfortable socks. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. That was kind of a strange way of saying it, wasn't it? I'm, <laughs> I'm aware of that. It, uh, it's usually, I'm a little bit, usually a bit smoother. Uh, as I record this today, I had, uh, I got a, uh, a bug bite on my eyeball. Not on the eyeball, but like on the eyelid. And so I woke up looking like I was doing a one-man show of Raging Bull. So, just imagine that. While you hear me talking and in my interview with uh, Mark Rudd, which is coming up, know that I look like I was in a boxing match. Um, If you haven't listened to the show before, please tell your friends about it. Um, It is just what the uh, convert title there implies. It's a conversation with me, Matt Dwyer. And like I said, today I talked to Mark Rudd. uh, He's an amazing activist and political organizer way back from the 60s he was in the sds the weatherman and the weather underground um and we talk about a little bit about that but we also talk about uh, political organizing and a lot of the issues of today and how uh, maybe we could learn a bit from uh, the past and history and it's a really great conversation i'm really excited uh, i just want to before i get into the show uh i just if you'd like the show at the end of it you're like woo that's a good show do me a huge favor and go to the the uh, iTunes there and write a review. That helps me out a lot. 
Also, you can donate some money because we don't. We are a very grassroots organization, and we don't make a lot of money. And sometimes we eat lentil beans here, Dustin Marshall and I. If you can't afford to donate money, go to my Feral Audio page, and you can buy bullshit on Amazon, and I get a kickback of that bullshit. And then I can buy things like microphones and phones and gas, so I can go interview fascinating people like Mark Rudd. And it's a really great uh, com- and you know and I'm going to be getting uh, stickers and stuff. So if you take a screenshot of your review and you email it to me at com- uh, conversations with Dwyer at Gmail, I'll send you a sticker. And now I did that. I said that I have to go buy stickers. This just can't be some kind of false promise. And it's not. It's going to be any like sticker like a AAA sticker or anything. It's going to be you know it's a sticker with something about my show on it. It's going to be real pretty. You put it on your car. Put it on your chest to remove your chest hair. Do what you got to do, uh, and then that's acceptable. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's that. Those are those show announcements that I just wanted to say to you. Get that stuff out of the way, and now uh, you know we'll get to the Mark. I was thinking though. Oh, here's something exciting. Here's something really exciting. Mark and I talk a lot about war and organizing. And as I I just read uh, right before I started recording this intro that we are going to probably bomb Syria anytime by tomorrow. Apparently, some country has uh, chemical weapons, so they say, so our sources say, so we might have to bomb the shit out of them. I I don't think I've ever heard this before. I've never heard... Any type, we're, we'll just trust them that they have the chemicals, and it's cool you guys bomb these people. Just makes totally sense. We never do this, make up things to, so we can bomb other people, do we? It's gotta be for the better good of mankind. And by mankind, what's Syria got that we want? I'm not, I honestly don't know. I don't know much about Syria. I do, I did know a Syrian girl in high school and uh, she would bring food to my improv class, and that was really good. So if we're, I maybe, if we're bombing to get more of that food, I'd be fucked. I might be okay with it. It was uh, like hummus and falafel stuff. It was real delicious. And I mean, granted, I have a place two blocks from me that, but I don't know. Maybe this is better. And that's so. If we're bombing for falafel, I want a, a shirt that says "No, no, fal- no war for falafel." It's a lot more fun than no war than oil, but yet falafels are more delicious than oil because I've drank oil. I know I haven't. And anyway, well, let's. Uh, other than my b- big bulgy eye that looks really bad, uh, my day is good because I got to talk to this guy, Mark Rudd. Go to his uh, website, markrudd.com. That's with two D's. Buy his book. Uh, he's he's a fascinating dude. Go and read his essays on his his essays on his site are really amazing. Uh, enjoy my conversation with Mr. Mark Rudd. Hello, Mr. Mark Rudd. How are you? Matt, how are you? Very well. Um, can you hear me all right? Um, would you rather um, um, uh, that we talk on a landline? Um, are you on a landline or are you on a... Because I have... Well, this is a cell phone, I, and I can give you my landline number. Oh, yeah, let me uh, just get ready to write that down real quick. Yeah, that would be... What is that number? 
call number two. <laughs> Hello? Hello. Are, are we all good? Can you hear me well? Yes, I, I hear you fine. Now, this is on speakerphone. Do you want me to get it off of speakerphone? It seems on, I, I have headphones on because uh, I have to call you through my computer, and it all seems well on this end. So I think we're good. Uh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, this is totally fine for me. So Okay. And uh I wanted to say that I listened or I I extor- immersed myself in your world for the past week and a half or two and uh is there were so many fascinating things but the things that really struck me the most were the past two essays that you wrote on your website uh, that I I found uh I would say moving and inspiring. Oh, the, the two about the film. Well, there was the first one was about uh, how to build a movement, and the uh, other essay about Shay and me. Ah, those two, yes, yes. Um, and I, because I, I feel like that when I talk to gentlemen like yourself, I like to get the perspective of somebody who's been through a great deal of um, activism and and movements and how it's pertaining to to these days, and because c- I feel. You touched a, a lot on, uh, about that on how to build a movement, and especially when you said uh, this uh, th- uh, mindset of our, our current state of uh, nothing, nothing anyone ever does can make a difference is something you've heard a lot of young people say. And I'm I'm just curious to what makes you uh, what what do you think has gotten people into this mindset that they can't protest or that the, it, it's a futile effort. Well, you know, we're recording now, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, obviously, in the last 35 uh, uh, years or so, the country has been moving to the right. Uh, Since 1981, so it's uh, 32 years, uh, there's been a a straight shift to the right uh, with, you know, important um, exceptions, such as uh, Obama's election. But... um, uh, and generally, the politics has been locked up by the right. They've, they've done incredible organizing uh, such that uh, it may take another 30 years to undo um, the lock they have on Congress and on state legislatures because of their uh, redistricting. So um, uh, even though um, public opinion is not necessarily uh, um, conservative, uh, the, um, uh, uh, the public opinion uh, doesn't get uh, expressed uh, in, in uh, uh, Congress and the state legislatures. Um, and, and power has not shifted. In fact, if anything, power has shifted to the right. So people despair. Um, one uh, di- big difference uh, between now and um, um, 45 years ago was that kids like myself who came along um, – had, had grown up during the era of the civil rights movement. And um, uh, just everybody in the whole country knew that that was making a difference, that anybody who joined the civil rights movement was going to be making a difference. And, and the idea that nothing can ever change, uh, uh, no one ever expressed that because everything was changing. So we had that big advantage. It was, in a sense, a, uh, a moral advantage. Yeah, it's just you don't, 
see as many people getting out on the streets these days and protesting, and if it does, it seems to it just seems to die off really quickly. Like, I mean, I loved the Occupy movement, but it just, I don't know, like, what happened with, like, I was like, how did we fail? Because <laughs> I did feel like that was the moment for this younger generation to uh, make their mark. And I'm not of that generation. I'm 44. But well, I spent an awful lot of time hanging out with Occupy people. Uh, mostly here in Albuquerque, but other other places too, uh, Iowa, for example, and uh, New York City, and um, it, it was very interesting. Uh, it was fascinating, actually. Um, and, uh, and let me just preface this by saying, Occupy did accomplish a lot uh, because it at least for a while um, forced into the uh, public discussion the issue of inequality, economic and political inequality. And that, that's almost a miracle, yeah. um, uh, considering that um, um, the unions had been trying to raise the issue for decades with almost no success whatsoever. And yet um, 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 Occupy was able to uh, catapult the discussion into, into the mass media. And I'm not even, I don't know how, how it happened. You know, so I, I just want to preface anything uh, critical that I might say uh, by saying that, that, that Occupy did accomplish a lot, you know. But one of the things I, I, I noticed by, by talking with Occupy people was they had no sense that the, um, the strategic goal was a mass movement. I, I think they, they felt that somehow by raising the issue, things would somehow change. But, but the idea of a mass movement uh, to, to, to uh, gain political power to make the changes, that they hadn't even thought about. Yeah, and I didn't mean to criticize it because they did change the dialogue drastically in this country. I mean, to the fact that you see 1% being used in uh, a fucking Wendy's or McDonald's head, like, I mean, be, like it would be in that, that – dialogue or the, those catchphrases would end up in advertising is like you guys did something to such a level that people co-opted it for evil but but uh but it just it they dissipated a, a bit and it, i was hoping there would be some sort of a bigger comeback but they didn't seem to i don't know no that, that's because because their goal i think was a limited goal it was to raise the issue uh and in fact they they only had one tactic, which was to occupy parks or occupy public space. And when, when the um, police moved uh, almost everywhere in the whole country to uh, throw them out of the public space, that was the end of it. That was the end of everything. And not quite, because some people kept organizing. But still, um, they, had, they had raised a tactic to the level of the entire strategy. And when that tactic got smashed, they weren't left with very much. Yeah. I... See, see, the thing is this. Movements, mass movements, don't happen spontaneously. They, they happen when there's um, self-conscious organizers who develop a strategy and then gain um, enough support of people and participation of people uh, to create a mass movement that has a goal. Uh, I'll give you a great example from our history. Um, in the 20th century, uh, 
one of the greatest stories um, of the 20th century is the uh, Southern Civil Rights Movement, which had as its strategy um, the um, amassing of power uh, by both Southern blacks in coalition with Northern liberals and labor union supporters to bring the federal government into the South. That's a strategy. And then they implemented that strategy through um, a time-honored method called organizing, and, uh, which is a very complex kind of thing and, and something that I talk about a lot. But organizing involves building that movement. It's very... Um, uh, uh, it takes time. It, it, it's a, a long-haul strategy, and it, it, it involves um, understanding uh, where we're going and how to get there and the need for mobilizing lots and lots and lots of people. Um, it's very different from just expressing yourself. And the idea, I think, of expressing yourself is that uh, somehow... Uh, there will be a spontaneous uprising of people when they see the moral truth. And that just doesn't happen. Do you think that's a generational thing? Because uh, I'm, it's because the younger generation has such an immediate everything with Internet and... No, uh, well, I, I, I think that, that it's a lack of examples. Um, I'm, uh, the movement that I'm, I'm mostly... Uh, uh, associated with myself is the uh, Vietnam uh, uh, anti-war movement, uh, the student branch of that. And in that, um, we were contiguous in time with the civil rights movement and the labor movement. So we learned how to organize and, and the need for organizing, strategic organizing, uh, from uh, the civil rights movement and the labor movement. Um, and the reason was they were right there. And they had been successful, and they had a method. It's now it's been um, uh, forty years since. Well, not not totally true actually, but there isn't the recognition, um, uh, for example, of how organizing works because there doesn't appear to be mass movements. Truth is, there are mass movements, such as the gay movement, which has been extremely successful. Um, uh, but the organizing is more or less invisible, unfortunately. Yeah. How how many years did it take to get the anti-Vietnam War movement going? Because I think people do, even in documentaries, that you get the impression that it's this very immediate, like everybody was on board, everybody went to the streets. And- no, 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 no. The, the war started um, big time in 1965, and um, it only ended in 1975. So that's 10 years of agitation. Um, the, um, the, the peak of the anti-war activity was 68, 69, and 70, and 71. But um, uh, it, it took many years of, of organizing, um, on, for example, on college campuses, uh, to, to get people to the point of understanding uh, what, what the problem with the war was. Remember, the default position of all Americans is to support a war. That's just automatic. So it took a long time to get people to move uh, away from this uh, sort of knee-jerk uh, patriotism, militaristic patriotism uh, that we're born with. 
Yeah, and it seems sadly that 9-11 brought a little bit of that back. Would you Would you agree? No, not a little bit. It brought a lot of that back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. Um, because we, uh, it, 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 the U.S. government and the media was, was uh, um, very quick to portray us as the victims, right? And, and in a way, we were the victims. I mean, uh, it was terrorism in the sense of attacking innocent people. And, um, uh, and, and, and they were the victims. But, but uh, uh, behind that, um, nobody, of course, ever wants to look at American policy. Um, it might provoke people to be angry. Still, um, the, the, uh, when there's terrorism, you don't, uh, the Europeans, for example, don't immediately go to war. They 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 uh, treated us criminal action to be handled through um, uh, police means, and instead, um, uh, our, we we immediately go to war, a war on terror, a war against uh, Afghanistan, a war against uh, Iraq that had nothing whatsoever to do with nine one one, but the goal appears to be war. Yeah, it it was interesting. Cornell West said after 9-11 happened, he said, people keep asking, how could this happen? He's like, the question should have been, how did this not happen sooner? Which he got a lot of flack for, but it was like, I mean, with our policy, it was like, we kind of have meddled in a lot of countries. It's like, it is it is kind of like, we're lucky that it didn't happen sooner. Right. And, and uh, um, I, I think of an old uh, slogan, that my group, uh, the weathermen, had during the, during the Vietnam War, bring the war home. Uh, it was a terrible slogan, actually. But uh, in, in a sense, my first reaction after 911 is, "Oh, the war is coming home." Yeah, that's you know. But 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 what to do about that? That's the important question. And 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 the, I guess what what. What, what I'm trying to tell people is that there once was a mass movement against uh, uh, American wars abroad, against the Vietnam War. It was uh, a, a war of choice, a war of occupation against the military, against the civilian population. And, and it didn't have to happen. Um, millions of people died in that war. Uh, so... Um, um, because of a lot of circumstances, uh, for example, the rise of the Cultural Revolution, the rise of, the, of a cultural movement in this country, a, a youth culture, um, uh, it, it became um, um, sort of the obvious thing to do was to go into the streets um, uh, against the war. However, that didn't happen spontaneously. A lot of organizing had to take place. Yeah, that's also interesting, too, because a cultural movement, there doesn't seem, I don't know, you don't see much rebellion or protest in in much of the cult, like cultural aspects and music or art as much as one used to. Which Do you think that has a, a big hand in it as well, or...? What was the what was the question? Oh, Did it have a what? Well, uh, there's no cultural movement underneath any political movement, like in the '60s. I, I, don't, know, I, I don't know. One of the nice things about cultural movements, insurgent cultural movements, is that um, the mass media doesn't recognize it until it's too late. Because you know? <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, it, 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 it would be um, uh, uh, co-opted. Um, 
there may very well be cultural movements uh, uh, somewhere in the hipster world. Uh, you know, um, the uh, uh, the hackers uh, who want um, uh, information to be accessible to all uh, and uh, uh, want no uh, proprietary uh, uh, claims on, uh, for example, intellectual output um, uh, and no and no state secrets. Uh, that could be uh, a, a growing de- democratic cultural movement. Uh, so uh, you know, and, and the media would would know know it until it's too late. So um, I don't know. I'm hoping that 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 uh, uh, people wake up. I mean, right now, for example, um, there's a cultural movement among some of the best young people I know uh, uh, who go into uh, organic uh, farming. That's a cultural movement. It's a rejection of uh, industrial uh, 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 oil-soaked um, um, uh, food, and it's, it's also, uh, uh, an, in, a, in a way, a blow towards uh, saving the planet uh, from global warming, from from uh, you know, from climate change. So um, that's a that's that's a cultural change uh, that's happening. Maybe uh, it'll it'll work its way into the political realm. Uh, you know, uh, policy is important, agricultural policy, but that's a political decision. It does seem like there is more anti-corporate uh, sentiments than there's than I've seen in a long time. I mean, people seem to really be, or maybe I'm spoiled because I live in California, but I mean, most people I know are very con- like conscious of not shopping at. Uh, Big chain stores, going to farmers markets, buying you know buying from people who make things themselves, and that's. I, I don't I don't know if it's most people yet. It's some people. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Ralph's is still pretty big in California, as far as I know. Oh yeah, no, I just meant like the people I know, and I I, I don't know if I'm in a sheltered right. world. Cause, <laughs> really? Because <laughs> I live in L.A. where everybody like, but but at least I don't know. It it seems like people are becoming aware of uh, voting with their money, so to speak. Yeah, I'd like to see uh, uh, people become aware of some of the uh, uh, very urgent crises, uh, such as, for example, the, um, uh, uh, the warming of the planet, uh, and, and demand uh, policy changes at the governmental level, which uh, uh, really is the level that's needed. Uh, to, to make a, a, a big change, I mean, we can we can buy all the Priuses uh, in the world, and and still um, we'll still have the problem of climate change unless um, other uh, uh, key changes uh, are uh, made quickly, such as um, the production of uh, stopping the production of, of, of electricity from coal. Um, so uh, and, and moving to renewable en- uh, uh, energy sources. So these are policy questions um, that are going to take the marshalling of tremendous amounts of capital, and only the state uh, has that capital to do it, um, uh, to subsidize the transformation that's needed. Um, now these are policy questions, and in order to address policy, we're going to need to play politics. Um, the problem with politics is it's off, often nasty and dirty. And um, it, it also uh, maybe sometimes isn't fun. Uh, we may also need mass movements 
to push the politicians in the right direction. And that's going to take an awful lot of work. Um, but I, I, I return to your first question. Um, can people make a difference? And really, it's the only thing that's ever has made a difference is people banding together. Do you... Do you feel any faith in the way our political system is now? I mean, you mentioned Obama earlier, but as his presidency has gone on, have you become disillusioned with him, or because of what with him? I mean, I just—I mean, you mentioned that, and it was a a big thing that he got elected, that he was our first African American president. But I, I'm just wondering if you if you have faith in him, or if you've at all become disillusioned with some of his. Oh, disillusioned. Yeah. Um, of course I'm disillusioned. You know, I drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, 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 I was as happy uh, as anyone else on, uh, uh, in early November of 2008. You know, the idea of, in my lifetime, electing a black man, and, and, and a black man who actually uh, uh, was an organizer in, in, in housing projects uh, on the Chicago South Side, that's incredible. If you read um, Obama's um, um, uh, first book, uh, Dreams from My Father, um, uh, that, the middle section of his, of his book is about organizing in Chicago, and the last section of the book is about a, a one-month trip he made to uh, his father's homeland, Kenya, in Africa, in which he um, understood the workings of colonialism and neocolonialism. What other president in the United ever has ever understood what neocolonialism is? You know, uh, uh, the idea of, of reinstituting colonial control through uh, nominally independent uh, uh, local government. Um, this is his his understanding of the world is miles ahead of any president that's ever been, and he also happens to be a black man, and that's amazing in a racist country. But, 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 here's the big but. Power hasn't shifted. Power is still in the hands of the corporations uh, uh, that control Congress and that make big money off of war and off of agriculture the way it is and pharmaceuticals and hospitals, et cetera. Every, every area of, the, of, of, of life is dominated by those who have always been in power, but we have a black president who can use the word neocolonialism correctly. <laughs> what, what hasn't happened is there hasn't been a power shift. Namely, and the only possible power shift has to be large numbers of people from below demanding the change. Whether they demand it in, in, in the streets or they demand it at the ballot box, there's got to be that demand. It has to be, because there's going to, because one side that's making all the money off of the status quo isn't going to give it up. They're just not going to. But, the, but the, um, the vast majority of American people don't want the planet to die. They want good, decent public education for their kids. They want... Um, um, uh, health care for everybody. They realize it's a social good. It's not just a, 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 a question of a, a private responsibility. Most, most people understand these things, but the political system is locked up. So 
we happen to have a democratic form of government. It, it, it actually isn't because, for one thing, not even half the people vote. So now we've got to produce the mass movement that seizes power. That's all we got to do. Do you think it's as simple, like what he gets in office and he's like, I want to do this, and that just the, the powers that, be, like you say, the people the who... The president are... does not have the power to change anything. It's like complaining... When he came, in, when he came into office, the, the military uh, uh, and the uh, corporate the defense contractors and now the intelligence contractors and the intelligence bureaucracy, the NSA, the CIA, the DIA, all of these these humongous power centers, they call the shots. The president doesn't call a shot. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, because he looks pretty haggard. <laughs> it's like it's like, oh, they got to you. He looks, he looks pretty happy. <laughs> haggard. He looks pretty worn. He looks pretty worn. And plus, he has a quarter of the population organized because they hate black people, and they, and 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 they call them all kinds of names, you know. Uh, um, fascist, and they don't even know what a fucking fascist is. But they say he's a black fan. Uh, uh, a quarter of the population believes he's Islamic. You know, uh, he's a Muslim. It, it's just, it, it's just an insane situation. Um, uh, uh, you know, but but let me just say this: a lot of white leftists are very disappointed and are very angry at Obama, but very few black people are angry and disappointed. About 95 to 98 percent of all black people still support Obama. And the reason is they understand what this guy is up against. So you could say, well, a white leftists understand things better than 95 or 98 percent of all black people. But I don't think that's the case. I think the black people who support Obama understand what, uh, how, how, how hard it is, uh, even if you're elected president to change anything in this country. Yeah. And when you say, because you say leftist, and you don't consider yourself a liberal by any means, do you? You, you, because I don't. No, I, I'm, a, I'm a liberal Democrat. My, my, I, I would like, yes, I'm a liberal. Uh, I would, I, my goal is um, uh, something like uh, a European social democracy uh, where capitalism is maintained but regulated and um, uh, resources are, are fairly distributed so that the gap between rich and poor isn't that great. No, I'm a liberal. Oh, I, just, uh, I, I, I just thought in some of your writings, because you, you spoke about uh, leftists, and, 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 and I know this is more of a 60s thing, but how some of the liberals, um, well, like you, you say in your book, the liberals gave us Vietnam with uh, LBJ. And right, right. When I was a radical revolutionary, when I was a kid, uh, I felt very strongly that the liberals were the enemy. Uh, they had given us Vietnam, and they had betrayed the civil rights movement. And now I would settle for a liberal social democracy, because I don't think we're going to get too much better than that. I don't think we're going to get an anarchist or a communist utopia in this country. No, not not. You know, I think we're so far away from it. Uh, we'd be lucky if we even have um, uh, a government that, that 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 advocates for the common good. Do you realize that 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 the conservatives are are dismantling public education as we're talking? 
You know, they, they, they believe that there is no such need, there's no society, and there's no need for public education. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, there are also, also um, the Republican Party has 41 uh, senators in the, uh, uh, 41 senators, not a one of whom is allowed to admit he believes, he or she believes in global warming. You know, they're, they're a bunch of, of ignorant know-nothings because they're committed to the status quo, and, and, and they're going to allow the, 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 the planet to be destroyed uh, so that the status quo is maintained. This is crazy. If there's ever been a common good situation, we're in it. But nobody recognizes the common good. I'll settle for a liberal, um, uh, social democratic kind of a situation where the common good is recognized and where it's recognized that that the gap between rich and poor is not a good thing for the common good. Yeah, it seems like a lot of, and I, I, I have to blame the right for a lot of this is, well, all of it actually, is like, there is, like, more than ever, more people believe that uh, in creationism over evolution, and it's just like, it is, it is almost like they're actively seeking to make us as ignorant as yeah. possible. Yeah, I've been trying to figure out for the last few years why it is that facts don't count. What's what's your opinion about that? Jesus Christ, that's I mean that's an astounding question because my girlfriend is a scientist and she's very in, immersed in the skeptical community, and I think a lot of her it's easier to not believe in facts. It's more it's. To to believe in uh, creationism doesn't make you want to question the rest of the universe, and it's like it's just like oh, there it is. It's simple and easy. It's the same reason I think people believe in ghosts and supernatural. It 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 just makes it easier and maybe even a little bit more exciting <laughs> than dealing maybe, with maybe maybe faith. You're say, saying faith is sexier. I think no. I I mean not. I'm saying that's what I think. I don't believe that for sure. But I think like it makes it easier for people to be like, oh, God just created this, and we'll just follow these rules, and I, I don't have to. I, I, I'm told how to think, and that's fine by me. Is how I believe a lot of people are taking it, instead of really wanting to think about the greater overall dauntingness of the environment taking a shit and the right, right, right. The facts that have been determined by scientists about global warming are denied because it's easier to deny it because if you don't if you don't deny global warming then you'll have to do something about it. It's like yeah, I mean on a small level it's like a guy who keeps smoking cigarettes and is like, oh there's a cancer gene. It's cigarettes don't cause cancer. You like do you know you know what I mean there's people who smoke and like, no, their cancer isn't caused by it's like this insanity that's just like you're totally de- it's like denying yourself destructive behavior. Except we're right, doing it as right. a collective but- but this is very interesting in what's happened in the last year. Occasionally, um, a, a moral wrong will suddenly be recognized by everyone. I'll give you an example. Ten years ago, the idea that, that uh, gays would be allowed to marry, uh, same-sex marriage, uh, within ten years was, was ridiculous. Because we figured this country would have to go through an enormous cultural transformation. Of, of like fundamental macho, for example, uh, we had a, a, a ridiculous quote defense of, of marriage act, as if the act of self uh, of, of same sex marriage was going to destroy 
traditional heterosexual marriage. I, I don't even see the connection. <laughs> but, 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 ten years ago, if anybody said that, that uh, in 2013, uh, suddenly all the laws upholding, uh, same, uh, uh, or rather, banning same-sex marriage were going to fall, right? They just fell just today in New Mexico. The law's gone. My county is now giving same-sex marriages today, uh, 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 licenses for, the se- for today, the first day. And, and all of a sudden this happened. And it happened because of some kind of a, a, a cultural change that had been brewing. I don't know what it is. I think it probably has something to do with gays depicted on television as human beings. That I, may very well have, have, have been part of it. Um, I, I agree. You know, Tony, what's that? Oh, I agree. And I think like even like Ellen DeGeneres having a daily talk show where she, this lesbian woman is... Oh, absolutely. I'm thinking of Ellen DeGeneres, it is, as I mentioned in the media. But, but the point is, who would have predicted that it was going to happen so fast, that, that this moral turnaround was going to be. Suddenly you have religious conservatives who, who are recognizing the humanity of, of, of uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like slavery falling in a day or, 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 or Jim Crow falling in a, in, a, in, 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 in a year, 1965. You know what I mean? Yeah. Things happen quick. They happen quick. And, and, and I, I don't know. I think there's going to be, I'm, I'm hoping there's got to be some recognition in the future. I mean, look, doesn't Hurricane Sandy in New York City uh, uh, mean anything to anybody? Or, or doesn't when you have uh, the sea rising to the level of, uh, uh, you know, where uh, the battery is 14 feet underwater, or First Avenue and, uh, and, and 96th Street, uh, 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 in Manhattan, for Christ's sake, the Upper East Side is underwater. It's just incredible phenomenon. You know, and, and what's happening uh, has got to be recognized that extreme weather events increase. Uh, the, the frequency of extreme weather events are naturally increased because of global warming. So, you know, people have got to recognize it sooner or later. And, 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 and then there's going to be some major changes. But, 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 it ain't going to be quite that easy. Did you did you read about a year maybe a little longer um, uh, a year ago or so an article by Bill McKibbins in Rolling Stone about global warming? Have you read it? I might have. His name isn't ringing a bell though. Okay, Bill McKibbins is a writer from um, New England, I think maybe Vermont, who um, has made global warming his issue, and uh, he founded an organization called Three Fifty dot org. Very good guy. Um, he's my age. He's in his sixties. So he's been writing for twenty years on global warming. So he had an article in um, Rolling Stone uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, uh, in which he um, it, it was called Three Numbers. Right? Um, it's worth taking a few minutes to, to just explain this. The first number is two degrees Celsius. If the planet rises, the, the average temperature of the planet rises 2 degrees Celsius, everything goes haywire. All bets are off. You know, the, the seas rise, the Great Lakes fall, you know, drought, too wet sometimes. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a big mess. 
two degrees Celsius. Whole areas of the world are submerged, like in, in Bangladesh. Tropical storms, etc. Two degrees Celsius. Got it? That's the first number, right? Mm -hmm. The next number is the amount of fossil fuel that if you burn it, the temperature of the Earth will rise two degrees Celsius. Right? Turns out scientists can tell you how much fossil fuel. It's 565 gigatons. I don't know what that is. Billion tons, gigatons. So 565 gigatons. It's an amount of fossil fuel. If you burn it, everything goes kaput. Got it? 565 gigatons. That's the second number. Oh, and incidentally, time doesn't seem to be a factor in this. If, if it's burned, it will, the, the, the byproducts, uh, carbon dioxide, et cetera, will uh, accumulate in, 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 the, in the atmosphere. The third number is the amount of fossil fuel which is in the proven reserves of all the fossil fuel companies of the world. Namely, this is the assets, and that is five times 565 gigatons of fossil fuel. In other words, all the corporations in the world already have proven assets of five times the amount of fuel that it will take to raise the temperature to degrees Celsius. So if we are asking for the changes needed to save the planet, we're going to have to make these assets, the capital that is owned by these corporations, valueless. And, and we're going to move over to, to wind and solar and hydro, everything, different kinds of, 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 of renewable energy. So that means that we're going to take this incredible wealth of capital owned by the corporations and destroy it. We're going to tell these people, your wealth is worth nothing. Now, this is not McKibben's, but this is me talking. <laughs> the, the last time we told people that your capital assets were worthless was slavery. You had an entire class of people in this country, the South, who were making their wealth off of capital assets, human beings, and so the North came along and said, uh-uh, that's not anything we like anymore. So your capital is worthless. And the, 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 the slave owners then said, uh, really? We're going to fight about this. We're going to have a war. Do you... So we've got a situation where the planet can be saved if if we if we make all of this capital worthless, the capital assets, the proven reserves of the oil companies have got to become worthless. So what's going to happen? It's going first of all, it's going to take enormous amounts of money to make the transformation, and then secondly, some people are going to oppose it. That's why we need a political movement, a big one, to save the planet. 
or to do anything else to get to get uh, um, um, universal health care or to get good education for all kids or or, 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 or to stop militarism. It's always going to take mass movements, and we've got to start organizing. Got to stop wasting our time. Listen, I'm 66 years old. I'm about to die. I'm checking out of this planet. How old are you? 44. You're 44. You've got 22 more years to live than I do. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I'm gone, and you'll you'll be my age, and I I'm, I could very well be out of here. You know. And 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 and, and we got to start. We got to move this thing along, you know. Uh, my idea is to take over the Democratic Party and make it a party of the people. If you have a different idea, let's do your idea. I don't care what it is. If you want to start a third party or a fifth party or something to save the planet, that's fine with me. But my idea is we take this party that should be the party of the people and turn it into the party of the people. However, that's going to take a lot of work. It's going to have to, for example, all of us who believe the way I do, all of us got to go to Democratic Party meetings and, and, and demand that the Democratic Party make global warming its main issue uh, and also divert money away from war towards public needs. These are, this is what we have to do. Now, if you have another strategy, that's fine. Let's work on your strategy. No, I, I mean, I agree with you. And I was thinking, like what you said about uh, taking funds away from the war, it's like it was interesting to me during the presidential debates, they talk about all of our economic problems. Not one person spoke up and said, well, maybe we should get out of Afghanistan. <laughs> it was just kind of like, right. it's right. like, right. that's right. not even a but, topic they'll yeah, but that, discuss. Right. Not but to that say reflects, that, that, the fact that, that our, our, our political debates are so barren and, 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 and so valueless and have no real issues in them is a reflection of how depoliticized the whole society is. But we could force it to happen. Do you ever watch this, um, this new um, liberal wet dream on, on HBO called uh, Newsroom? Uh, I've, I saw the first season. I didn't see the second. I <laughs> like that you called right. it the liberal wet dream, though. <laughs> right. It, 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 it's, 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 it's a fantasy of what would happen if the media actually did what it claims to be doing, which is uh, covering the news. Right. If it actually took real news and, and, and dealt with it. Why did the BP in the first season, you know, who was responsible for the oil spill and, and, the, and, and, and what was the truth about it? Uh, um, you know, really exposing who the culprits are. Uh, you know, we're taking real issues like global warming. Do you think the Weather Channel ever takes up global warming? Do you think the the, the local weathermen on Channel Seven News, wherever, anywhere in the country, uh, uh, ever talks about the extreme weather events we're having as as a function uh, of global warming? No, they never take up reality. But we have to demand that it be taken up. It's our job. As far as getting back to Obama, the problem with Obama is us. We have not created a political movement that forces uh, Obama to do the right thing. You know, I don't blame Obama. Obama's a political animal. You know, he knows where the votes are in Congress. He knows who controls Congress. We better... You know, throw the, throw the Tea Party out of Congress. Do you know we have idiots in Congress who don't believe in, in, 
in, in, in, in, in evolution. We have people in Congress who don't believe in science. They don't believe in global warming. They believe uh, that the best Muslim is a dead Muslim, and, we, and our, our God-given Christian right is to go and murder them. I mean, we have people like, like I mean, people with, with, with brains, uh, intellectual capabilities developed to the level of three-year-olds uh, making our laws. We've got to throw these people out and put in decent people. I, do you think, because when I hear these guys on news shows, I'm like, you got to be, you got to be kidding. Like, you got to be doing this just to, like, I almost can't believe they're being for real. Like, they're stirring up this shit just to piss everybody off and to throw them off course. Well, what are you referring to? I'm, I'm, I didn't quite, I missed something. Oh, just with, with uh, these conservatives in Congress who talk about, like, oh, women's body will uh, reject a pregnancy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It just seems that, like... That's just stupid shit. But it, but it shows how... Here's the, the real lesson. The Tea Party, in two years' time, organized itself, got power, and controls Congress. Why can't the progressive forces organize ourselves, get power, and control Congress? Why do idiots who believe stupid shit like you just cited, why do they get an office, but people who believe normal shit like rape is bad don't get an office? And the difference is organizing. We are not organizing. The fucking idiots are organizing. So let's organize. A lot of them uh, idiots have Koch brother money behind them. And it's, I mean, really, if you think... Listen, hold on, hold on, hold on right there. (laughs) There's plenty of liberal money. Oh, absolutely. There's plenty of progressive money. When we had a a Democratic um, uh, primary for Congress in my district in New Mexico, um, there were three candidates. They all called themselves progressive. I don't know how that happened. But there was one real progressive who would have joined, if he had been, been elected, uh, he would have joined the Progressive Caucus. Most, most progressives don't even know that there is a Progressive Caucus in Congress because it's so small and powerless. But if we could build it, so we had a chance to elect the Democratic primary to nominate a real progressive. He lost, incidentally. But he did uh, um, uh, put together a campaign in which he raised $1.1 million, mostly from out of state, for a stupid little uh, primary in which only 46,000 people turned out to vote in a district of 700,000. He did raise $1.1 million. That's a lot of money. The problem wasn't money for this progressive. The problem was lack of voters. And the voters weren't brought out because they didn't have an understanding of the importance of this primary election. And the reason, I don't know, it's a million things, you know, but it's all, whatever it is, it's going to take organization. The stupid, idiotic Tea Partiers knew this, and they organized, and they used their money to, to win elections. We don't do that. We, we sit in cardboard boxes. Yeah, I mean, you could even say that this, I mean, the Tea Party is relatively new, but that movement has been going on since, like, Reagan era of the Christian right. Right, actually, since before. Um, the new left was riding high in the, in the mid-70s, and, and the um, 
uh, conservatives like Karl Rove um, were were young, like we were, like the New Left was, and and they said let's organize, and they organized and organized and organized until Reagan came in, and then they they, they at that point they began controlling the entire discourse, you know. So so the the center was moved far to the right, but um, no, they've been organizing. Uh, continually. And incidentally, they had a very good strategy. Their strategy was to unite ideological conservatives like themselves, you know, Roe was an ideological conservative, with the Christian fundamentalist base. In other words, those were the mass of voters that they were able to organize, and they became very, very active voters, and and they elected um, um, uh, right-wing governments continually. Uh, up through um, um, uh, today, and that was the basis of the Tea Party, but it was also um, uh, George W. Bush's uh, base, and it was also uh, um, Reagan's base, and, and, and they had a strategy. What's the left strategy? Who do we unite? What's the coalition? You know, and the best coalition that we've had has been put together by by, by Obama, and it was non-white people with the 40% of white people who are progressive, of white voters, not white people, but white voters. Remember, only half the population votes. So then what we need is to bring out the non-voters. That's what's going to make the difference. We need a a civil rights movement uh, to to bring out non-voters. I want to make one more point um, that I've been forgetting. We now have incarcerated over 2 million uh, mostly non-white people. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. And, and the numbers of, of, um, of people who have passed through the, the drug war uh, 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 in the last 30 years is something like 34 million, many of whom are felons. It's crazy to stigmatize a part of the population as criminal, you know? And, and, and it's bankrupting us, too, just like the wars are bankrupting us. This is insanity, and we've got to stop it, the mass incarceration. But that's going to take a, pub, a, a, a political movement. Yeah, it's it's a complete – I mean, we have more people in prison than any country, I believe, per cap. It's like – it's – insane and some people theorize and i don't know if this is leftist or not or like not leftist but like conspiracy conspiracy theorist stuff but it's like a lot of it is because they use prison labor now like they like factory work is in prisons in that way are you aware of that at all or am i that they use prisoners for like factory labor in a lot of the and to to build you know well have you read um michelle alexander's book the new jim crow uh, I haven't, but I'm aware of it. And I've seen her interviewed a few times. Uh, it's oh, good because she's she's fabulous. She places this mass incarceration within a historical context, namely that um, you had 250 years of slavery, and um, that was social control of, of 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 the black population. And then one day in 19 in 1865, it was over, and they had to figure out a new way of controlling black population. So they developed, uh, over the next 20, 30 years, they developed uh, uh, Jim Crow laws, which re-enslaved, uh, not totally slavery, but, but, but kept the black population in its place. 
And, and those Jim Crow laws lasted uh, until one day in, in, in around 1965. They, it was kaput. Jim Crow was illegal. Uh, you know, the reasons why these things all happened, that's important. But so there needed to be a new system of social control of black people. And it, they came up with the drug war and mass incarceration and, and, and the creation of a criminal underclass, a permanent criminal underclass. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's a horrible thing if you're caught up in this thing. You're permanently stigmatized. You can't get a job. You can't get a, uh, a place to live. You can't get financial aid for school. You're, you're, you can't vote, of course. I mean, it's, 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 and, and we accept it because now we're, we're no longer uh, racist. We're colorblind, except that there's a criminal class. And we, of course, nobody likes crime. So we're, you know, this is another, we, we have to have a human rights revolution or a, a movement, a human rights movement that recognizes people as people, as human beings, and, and, and with the, the right to live and the right to education, the right to health, et cetera. Um, it's, but it's going to take organizing, you know? Matt, when's the last time you went to your local Democratic Party meeting? I would honestly say I never, but I didn't. Of course not. <laughs> you're, 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 because nobody else uh, does either. Uh, here in New Mexico, I was looking at, at our local precinct uh, list of Democratic voters, and there were hardly any below the age of 45 because voter, uh, young voters, don't, they don't even want to be associated with the Democratic Party. They, 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 they register as independents or decline to state. But... Um, um, uh, nobody goes to Democratic Party meetings because yeah. because it's it's too ugly. But we've got to sacrifice a little bit of our entertainment time or our leisure time in order to organize. The Tea Party people went to lots of meetings and they took over the Republican Party. Why don't we take over the Democratic Party? I, agree. I to be quite honest, I I began losing faith with. I voted for uh, Jill Stein this last election, and I was planning on supporting her, but I definitely. Uh, or supporting you, you voted for, for for whom? Uh, Jill Stein. She was uh, Green Party. Oh, the Green Party. Yeah, but but okay, that's very nice. Except that it has no effect on anything, and 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 it, it, it certainly uh, made you feel a little cleaner. It's true, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, I, I, you know. But I, I do I do point out that it also made you either smarter and dumber. Than ninety eight percent of all smarter or dumber than than but different from ninety eight percent of all the black voters. My logic who didn't, who didn't waste their vote on, on on a Green Party candidate. My my logic was that in the state of California, it was more of where. Well, that's true. Yeah, I, mean, I knew who, I knew who yeah. was going to win in the state of California, but I I do yeah, feel yeah, like there yeah. it would yeah. be benefit us if we had a. Yeah, I just well, think you're it's safe. you're safe. <laughs> but I think like California. I think it's wrong that like uh, people like Ms. Stein and uh, other independent parties are not allowed to, into the debates, which I think you know the debates are total garbage anyway. But it's like the alternative voices who, if they have an, a, a big enough base, should be allowed to debate, and that's sort of I was thinking. Along. Oh, I agree. I agree, and I think that we should also have instant runoffs, so you can name your first, second, third. You know, so so your vote doesn't, you know, get, you know, smashed, get, get ignored. 
Um, but but I, it, you know, there, there's a lot that could improve democracy. But given given the, the, the crazy situation we have, I can't. I, I think I think that the strategy of taking over the, the Democratic Party is the only one that's viable for us, especially because non-white voters are, have now been won over to the Democratic Party. In other words, white people have white progressives like you and me have to figure out that our allies are already with the Democratic Party. Non-white people are important. They're not just important as human beings, but they're important as voters. <laughs> you know, white people are so stupid that 60% of all white people voted, voted for uh, an, an, uh, an idiot like, like, like Mitt Romney, you know? Uh, and 60% of all, doesn't that, I, I assume you're white, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Doesn't that make you feel funny about white people in general? Oh, absolutely. My mother is one of yeah, those. My mother voted for Romney, and she's very much yeah, the I mean, Christian right wing. Only a, only a right mind could vote, could vote for Mitt Romney, who was obviously, uh, obviously held most of the population in contempt. You know, he obviously hated uh uh, anybody who wasn't like him, um, you know, because he was stupid, and, and 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 he would constantly change his vote. And he was one of the people who made for the economic uh, recession that we've been suffering through, uh, you know, with his outsourcing and and, and, his, and his mergers and acquisitions. It was crazy that anybody in their right mind would would vote for for Romney, uh, and yet sixty percent of all white people did. It, it shows that white people are stupid, uh, and 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 that. So we better look to non-white people, and it turned out that something like seventy percent of all non-white people and ninety-five percent of all black people voted for Obama. So we better cast in, in our lot with them. I'm, they voted Democratic, and they're going to vote Democratic for, for probably the rest of their lives. So along come smart white people like you, and they say, well, we need a Green Party, or we need a Purple Party, or we need a this party or that party. And you just split the progressive vote so that the Republicans keep winning. Yeah, I hear you. But, I... White, but, but, but white people like to feel that we're so much smarter than, than black people and non-white people. I, I rarely feel smarter than anybody, just for the record. <laughs> that's, that's my Irish uh, working-class uh, garbage in me. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know what to say about that. The only thing I got to say is that 60% of all white people uh, who voted, who bothered to vote, um, uh, didn't make the cut as far as I'm concerned. Now, what is the you know, best— it, it, it makes you feel very odd to be white, you know? I'm sorry? It makes me feel very odd to be white, to be among the people who who bothered to vote, 60% of whom voted stupidity. Yeah, it's... Um... And, and, and hatred and anger and fear, you know? I mean, despite the fact that you had a smart not a black man and a dumb, greedy, contemptuous uh, white man. They voted for the dumb, greedy, contemptuous, mean white man. Who incidentally is now a California resident? Oh, we, oh, good. I'll, I'll hopefully I'll see him in the grocery store and I could cold cock him one. <laughs> well, just go, 
Uh, he was observed pumping gas at a La Jolla gas station. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. it was like the day after the election. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't know if he's been observed since then. Um, uh, yeah, I wanted to. Uh, so what is the best way, do you think, if uh, for people who to to begin organizing? If it, uh, do, you, is, do you think just sim- simply go out to organizations that already exist and see if you can change? Well, yeah, find other people who feel the way you do. I mean, whether they're in organizations, 350.org is, is a good organization. It's, it's organizing around global warming. Yeah. Um, uh, probably if you, if you hunt, you'll find people who are organizing uh, and think of prisoners a fair deal, you know, or, or whatever issue uh, is your issue. Mine tends to be militarism. You know, I've always hated war and, and seen it as completely unnecessary. So I, I, I try to find people who uh, are organizing a, a, a against the military um, in the environmental area. The military is a terrible polluter. Although it's very interesting. Um, the military understands about global warming, and they understand about the, the coming fuel crisis. And so they, uh, as, a, as an institution, are converting to renewable energy. Yeah, I, uh, the I, I just what you were saying about violence and war. That's one of the things that in your uh, essay, Shay and me, really uh, struck with a chord with me is how people get up, how people think a little bit of violence is always necessary, even if it's for the better cause. And how you were saying that that in your essay that that is really in the long run just breeds more violence. Or- well, it, it, bre- it breeds more violence in, in, for several reasons. One is that. Uh, you know, when you go out and do violence to somebody, somebody's going to be hurt and they're going to be angry. You know, they're going to be pissed off. Um, look at Israel and Palestine. It's a cycle. It goes back and forth, back and forth. Uh, enough people killed that it's very hard to make peace. Um, uh, but, the, but the main reason in this society why you, don't, you want to avoid all violence is because it gives the government and the status quo an argument um, that you are, that we, the progressive forces, who are basically anti-violence, are the terrorists. So, you know, Martin Luther King understood this well, and he said, "No violence of any sort will be tolerated." You know, and, and we've got to be 110 percent nonviolent, because any violence at all uh, will be jumped on by the media and the and the and the cops and. As, 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 as justifying state violence. Even when, look at what happened to, to the poor Occupy kids. Uh, most of them were not violent. Most of the actions that were broken up violently by the police were nonviolent actions, sleeping in a park or protesting on a bridge or whatever. They were nonviolent actions which the police attacked, claiming that they were protecting society from terrorists so what did the public do nothing so we've got to say no we we are 100 and 210 percent nonviolent. we will never do violence against a, a, a police officer we will never even do verbal violence we won't call them pigs we won't um um uh, interfere with their duties. We won't hit them. We won't break any windows. We won't do anything that 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 gives them a provocation to attack us. And they are the purveyors of violence. And you do this enough, and eventually people catch on. 
yeah, the state is is violent, and it's protecting the violence status quo. Yeah, because you were you speak about this in your um, article or um, essay, and with like the environmental and animal rights activists, they've never injured human beings, but they've definitely burned down some buildings, and and it is, and it's now that there now there's laws like labeling them as terrorists and it's like i wouldn't say burning down a building equals al-qaeda but it's definitely it's hurt their movement a great deal because now i mean i got into a debate with a gentleman a few weeks ago and he just was like well they're terrorists and it's like it's a different it's like they're the people are viewing those movements as damaging and it's which right. is a shame people because get, I, people people get impatient and they think I want to express my impatience, and I want to express how important this is. So I'm going to burn something, or I'm going to just—you know—I'm going to uh, attack a lab where they're working on animals and free the animals, or I'm going to burn it down, or I'm going to uh, burn uh, an SUV at uh, at a Hummer distributor, or whatever, you know, or I'm going to burn a, a, a housing development in a, in a in a formerly wilderness area. And, and this is, you know, it's all called animal rights, sabotage, uh, echo-sabotage, whatever. But, and it expresses their feelings of impatience and, 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 and the importance of things. But what they don't understand is that it allows the government and, and the corporations to um, brand us as the terrorists. We're not the terrorists. We don't destroy the environment. We don't uh, 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 do terrible things to animals. They do, you know. And so um, uh, breaking a window uh, for for global justice, global economic justice, it it makes perfect sense on one level, but on another level, it just gives them a, a rationalization to call us terrorists. So I, I could go on and on about examples of this, but but it's gotten to the point so bad that um, uh, in the last 13 years, since about actually 14 years since 1999, uh, even just doing a legal demonstration or a nonviolent civil disobedience kind of demonstration is considered to be terrorist, and that's a perversion of the language. It's a it, 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 we've got to reverse things and 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 get it to the point where the public recognize that it's the state that's a terrorist. Yeah, they've there's been some laws lately about protesting and gathering that have, and I'm not sure of some of the details, but it's it's pretty alarming. I, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Could you repeat? Oh, there's been some uh, laws that have been going on in Congress and whatnot that were, are making it more difficult to to gather as a group and protest. And absolutely, absolutely. Have you? Have you heard of the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act? Absolutely. I... There are people in prison now for uh, calling for an economic boycott uh, um, uh, against uh, a lab that exterminated on uh, Actually, it's an economic boycott against corporations that contract with a lab. Uh, and that's considered to be economic terrorism. Boy, they've really taken that word and run with it, terrorism. Right. It's a perversion of the the term, terrorism. But but, um, uh, the public has got to wake up to this. It's crazy. It's it's well within the uh, American tradition of nonviolence. 
to call for a boycott. Yeah, there's... But we, we need a mass movement to educate people and, and, and to bring back sanity and, and to bring back the language and, 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 and to, uh, to, to get people to, to recognize um, what's happening right, right in front of our eyes, that uh, our, our, our civil liberties, uh, traditional civil liberties, such as habeas corpus, uh, are, are completely eroded, or, or the right to, to not have our, our property uh, invaded and searched. It's, it's, just, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for, for young people. They'll have to devote the rest of their lives. You'll have to devote the rest of your life to this organizing work. I'm, I'm already devoting my whole stupid life to this, to this organizing work. I'm going to die, and then you're going to have to carry on. All right, I will. <laughs> you're gonna, Matt. You're gonna have to go to your Democratic Party ward meetings. You're gonna have to go to the National Democratic Party convention and convince them uh, that they've they've got to uh, um, be stronger on global warming. You know, you've got to do all this stuff. I'm gonna be dead. I will. I will. I I, I will, and I am an active person, but I. I... Definitely, and when I talk to gentlemen like you or or Wayne Kramer or some of the or guys like Dennis Cunningham, I, it's you always just feel like fuck. I should be doing way more. <laughs> it's like, I'm, well, first of all, I'm not a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> I did read your book. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an old fat guy. I'm an old fat white man. And <laughs> um, uh, but but. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we just got a lot of work to do, and I can't, I can't see how anything's going to change without organizing. But I think if we look at the, at the old, um, the, the, the great mass movements of the 20th century, um, the labor movement, the civil rights movement, the anti-war movement, the gay movement, the um, uh, um, black liberation movement, the disability rights movement, they all took traditional... Um, organizing method of building relationships, developing leadership, developing strategy, developing tactics, uh, developing um, uh, coalitions and allies. These are all things that, that, that we can learn by looking at these, these movements. Myself, I'm making a study now, my own personal study, of, of the civil rights movement, uh, the classical period from 19... Uh, 50 to 65 before black power. Uh, how did they succeed? How did they fail? What, what, what did they attempt? What was their strategy? What were their tactics? Who, what was the coalition? These are things we need to study because the movement is 50 years old. So we better study it now uh, to learn what, what we can learn. Some of the people aren't dead yet. You know? That would be the teaching and learning of history would be probably the greatest thing that people can do. But instead, they, 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 they watch a lot of YouTube. Yeah, we've got to find a way to get more history on YouTube. Than, than we... Yeah, yeah. Does... More real history, not, not, not phony history. No. You know? There is a lot of you great, know? like, Howard Zinn uh, pieces on YouTube, which is yeah. actually... Yeah, Howard Zinn's cool. That's right, that's right. <laughs> and there's, there's a lot more. Do you, feel- you know, um, did you did you know that there was a woman uh, who organized um, Martin Luther King's uh, organization, Southern Christian Leadership Conference? Behind Dr. King was a very quiet, invisible woman who had 
an organizing strategy that came directly out of the role of women in black rural churches in the South. And so all the civil rights organizing that supported the marches and the, um, uh, the mobilizations and the confrontations and the, the speeches and the this and the that, there was all this invisible organizing that was that that, that followed a method that that was promulgated by a woman who you I'll bet you a thousand dollars you don't know the name of that woman. You, I can't take that bet because you're right. Her, her, her name was Miss Ella Jo Baker, and um, you can look her up and find out about the, the organizing strategy that built the civil rights movement. No, I'm, I'm serious now. We got to get so serious that we understand the method and we develop a method, and we don't just talk like the right wing talks. They incidentally did have a method, and they they, they put it, they had a coalition uh, that they built, uh, and 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 it was strategic. But one, but now we've got to do a better coalition, you know. And I think that that one of the best ways we can do it is by studying history. That's why I spend so much time talking about. My own stupid history. No, I agree. It's very important. I mean, that's why I have gentlemen like, or guys. I'll say guys because you're not a gentleman. <laughs> but I'm, because I feel like, you know. It, I didn't say people. People. It's such a pivotal time. I feel like we're in a very pivotal time, like you say, with the environment and uh, many other things, that to talk to if people who have who have been through these movements and so this way we can have a better understanding of how we can continue and organize and be better about you know, because I think yeah, yeah, there yeah. was a definite there was a period where I think uh, a lot of younger people and it might have been partly my generation like they discre they got a little tired of the baby boomers stuff and they were like ah fuck the hippies fuck this <laughs> excuse my language <laughs> not I'm sure that you have but it's like and I think like people discredited these entire movements and it was just this punk rock idiocy and if not understanding how actually truly rebellious and uh, world and life changing these movements were and they got very discredited and it's a very sad thing to me yeah 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 I, I think a lot of younger people hate the baby boomers because we hogged all the good shit <laughs> you had all the good jobs all the, all the definitely you know, we hogged all the good jobs, and people like you came along, and we, we already had the jobs, and we didn't retire, you know? I think we so, have, and just, we might have better weed now, though. <laughs> oh, the weed is much better now, but we have better... We have better <laughs> yeah. But, but the, thing, the thing is that we had, we, had, um, we had a lot of advantages that you guys don't have. Like, for example, um, I've already cited the example of the, of the civil rights movement, but um, here's another advantage we have. We had one music, one popular music that everybody of the same age knew. You know, I can go anywhere in New Mexico and, and on a Pueblo, in a Hispanic village, any place. And if the person is 66 years old, we know the same music by The Doors and by Jimi Hendrix and Smokey Robinson and we listened to the same music. We could build a, a, a counterculture that involved lots of different people, you know. But now music is so fragmented and segmented 
uh, uh, people get their um, uh, their cultural their subcultural identities from their music, and a hardcore uh, uh, a punker would never listen to uh, uh, all, uh, you know alt rock or well, I don't even know what they are you know or uh, hip hop they wouldn't listen to country and everything's so fragmented it's very hard to build unity between people even of the same age but we had that unity because we listened to the same music you got you know the younger people now are fucked <laughs> uh, you know, if you're if you're a hardcore punk rocker you're not going to be listening to hip-hop that's just a fact of the matter yeah they also and, what's that oh i just they don't uh I forgot what my goddamn point was. It left my brain. They, they, they don't interact. They don't. They don't cross. They don't talk to each other. They don't listen to the same music. They don't party with each other. They don't protest with each other. You know, because everybody's so fragmented now. We're, it's like we're all living in little gated cultural communities. You know? It's really, it's really a rough life out there. I don't know how that's going to change. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask is like is just is a uh, as to before we wrap it up uh, and I, I I talked to uh Paul Krasner and Dennis Cunningham about this is like of how does it seem like because there's so many of these same issues like that has that nothing has changed to a degree. I mean, we're still against war. We still have these uh, fighting sort of I mean, we have abortion, you know, it's it's a People are still trying to outlaw abortion. Like, it seems like it's the same topics still that are sort of in cycle for the last 40 years of the things that we're fighting. Does that frustrate you? Or, like, what is your take on that? I wish I didn't articulate that as well as I wanted to. What was the last thing you said? Well, I didn't articulate the question as, as well as I wanted to. But that for the, what seems like the past 40 years, we're still fighting against war women's rights to, uh, you know, abortion and st- to a degree it, that that in a lot of ways that we haven't progressed or that we're still sort of, does, do you find that frustrating at all? I can't get the question of course up. It, of course it's frustrating. It's got to be frustrating to, to find that we're more militaristic now uh, and, 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 and that the right wing is more entrenched in power now than it was in the 70s. Of course, you know, it's totally frustrating. But but um, it's just going to take a lot longer. The whole deal that we're... Is that your kids? No, I don't... I, oh, there's a car in the background that might be a speeding car. Uh, the, 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 whole, the whole deal that we're involved in is just going to take longer. I didn't foresee, nobody foresaw the rise of the right or how the right would out-organize us. Now we've got to we've got to get smart and out organize them, you know. You know, most of the world um, uh, laughs at the United States because we're so silly, you know, to to believe in uh, creationism or to uh, uh, believe that, that global warming doesn't exist. The world knows about this stuff, you know. They think we're we're we're, off, we're out of our minds. So that's a hopeful phenomenon that the rest of the world is figuring it out. That yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, if the United States is made up of a bunch of stupid idiots, uh, it, it, doesn't, it still doesn't mean that the rest of the world is idiotic. Um, 
and we, we, we've just got a, a bigger, longer job. It's going to take well past the time I die and, and, and probably past the time you die, you know, but we've got to still start organizing. It, it ain't going to happen without organizing. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing good is going to happen unless we organize. And, and to learn how to organize, we've got to look at successful social movements of the past. That's all. It's a simple thing, you know. And, and if we waste our time bemoaning our fate, uh, we're still not going to get organized. So we better get organized. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. You know, we've got to save the planet. You know, and, we, and we've got to stop this war system. Uh, and, we, and we've got to uh, 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 stop. You know, the war system alone. I mean, look, we're going. I, I have this argument a lot with young people. A lot of the kids I know are going into organic farming, and they say there's going to be a coming food crisis. Uh, energy will cost a lot more, and we need local food, and it, it can't be saturated in chemicals. It's got to be organic. So they're going into organic farming, and they're preparing for the an alternative, uh, an economic, sustainable alternative. This is great. It's wonderful. And I say... Before the collapse of the current food system or the energy system happens, or as it's happening, the United States has a built-in answer to every problem. That answer is war. We're going to have lots of war, completely, complete war in the next X number of years. We're already seeing it, constant war. But war is a policy decision. And therefore, before this food collapse comes, or before the energy collapse comes, there's going to be even a greater um, a crisis, which is constant warfare, that which we are responsible for these wars. So we've got to organize politically because war is a policy decision. And, and so... You're putting all your effort into raising good organic tomatoes. You might put a little effort into taking over the Democratic Party, uh, which can reallocate resources uh, uh, away from industrial agriculture, for example, and toward uh, sustainable agriculture and sustainable energy. So let's get organizing. All right. Thank you very much, Mark. I greatly appreciate you taking out the... I, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry if I sound like a... Uh, a broken record, but us old white gentlemen from the new left, they're, they're, they're just, you know, I, I am an old broken record, but but that's okay because most young people don't know what a record is. A record, you know, I mean, the thing that turns around. Oh yeah. Is a new, yeah. I still buy. I still buy records, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, and I, but I it's not a broken record. It's been very fascinating, and I've I I cannot tell you. Okay. Just how uh, thankful I am that you took the time out hey, to do this. Um, um, any any time you want to talk about it, I'd love it. And, oh man, um, thank if, you. If, if you have if a chance to look at my book, my book is a story of, of when I was a kid, nineteen sixty five to nineteen seventy seven. I was eighteen to thirty, um, in which I experienced good organizing and then bad organizing. And then even worse organizing. That's what the book is about. So if you get a chance, take a look. 
Oh, I, I, it, that's your most. I have, I have that book. What, what is the name for the for my listeners though? The name of your book and your... Underground: My Life in STS and Winterman. And, uh, you... uh, and it's available in paperback. But it's about organizing. Uh, first, good organizing, uh, which which culminated in a, um, a sort of an, uh, an insurrection of students at Columbia University against the war and against racism in 1968. But that took years of organizing. Then uh, that degenerated. Um, uh, when we learned the wrong lessons and we got into self-expression and then that even got worse when we got into the fantasy of revolution and guerrilla warfare. And we, we moved away from real organizing toward a kind of a fantasy. Yeah, that's the one thing I just the thought I, I had while reading your book, too, is like because you're you're. 18 or in, in your 20s and it's like I think of the things I believed in and was like adamant about my 20s and it's like Jesus I didn't know what I was doing and you guys were talking about violent revolution and I don't, I don't know I mean you look back at that when now what do you think of that well I think we went overboard but I think we, we did have a certain engagement a social engagement and an engagement with history uh, that, 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 that I wish people had now. Of course we went overboard, you know, and, and, and we fantasized about revolution. We were utopians, you know, and, and nothing good ever happens out of utopianism. But, but we were, to some extent, engaged with, with certain realities, like the reality of the war, or the reality of injustice, the reality of racism, you know, um, that's a saving grace. Uh, I, I wish uh, that, that, that there was more uh, sort of reality engagement now. I'm not talking about reality TV either. <laughs> we could do away with that for the rest of my life, and I'd be... Well, it, 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 it's not merely ironic that reality TV bears no relationship to reality. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. Or that the weatherman <laughs> of now... <laughs> Refuse to talk about the reality of global warming, you know, compared to, say, the weathermen of then. <laughs> <laughs> now, I wanted to ask you, too, interest, like about the weathermen. I feel like there is a sort of an interest going back to uh, a lot of these, like your group, the weathermen and the Black Panthers. I feel like younger people are being really drawn to that. And uh, I mean, I could say when I was younger and I read stuff about the Black Panthers, it definitely captures one's imagination but I'm wondering what, what, if you, what your opinion would be of why people are becoming attracted to that, those movements again. I don't know how attracted people are. I mean, people are uh, some people are fascinated by the story because it's such an odd story, the the, the weathermen, the Black Panthers, as compared to what's going on now. I mean, it's just natural curiosity would lead you to it, you know. But. Um, um, there's very few people who are, who are trying to uh, uh, to do the same kinds of things we're doing. But there are more and more young people who are, who are getting involved in, in stuff like uh, global warming through 350.org. So it's cool. It's all cool. All right. And what is your website, Mark, just for my listeners? www.markred.com. And it's Rudd with two Ds. Yeah. And anybody's welcome to write me through my website. Uh, great. Thank you very much, Mark, for taking the time out. All right. Thank you, Mark. 
Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. If you enjoyed the show, like I said, tell your friends, donate money, buy shit on Amazon. Follow me on Tumblr, Matt underscore Dwyer at Twitter.com. Also, go around Feral Audio, check out some of the other shows. Enjoy these shows. And uh, like John Roy's show is really great. I interviewed him on my show last week. Also, coming up in a couple weeks, uh, hopefully I have Thomas Drake and Jessalyn Raddick, uh, whistleblowers. I'm trying to get them. They said they would do it. We're just trying to work out the time. I got a great artist I interviewed, Ugly Shyla. That's a, she's a fascinating... Talked about voodoo. Talked about voodoo. Um, a lot of other great interviews coming up. So, uh, thank you. Power to the people.
compliance of the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.